Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lewandowski was the man of the hour, but Bayern were the men of the 90 minutes as Barcelona were made to rue wasteful first half of chances at the Allianz Arena. Elsewhere, it was Joe Matip who sends Anfield into the Raptors. They went a little crazy on that one, and Tottenham came undone in injury time. Also, Brugge, if you'd like to say it that way. Wow, they did an amazing job against Porto. I'm Ian Paul Joy, and I'm alongside my co-host today, Nigel Rio Coker and Michael LaHood, as we recap the first seven games of match day two of the UEFA Champions League group stage. Kegolazzo begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome along. My name is Ian Joy. My friends, Nigel Cooker, Michael LaHood are joining me today as we recap the action that has just wrapped up. If you're watching online, please make sure you like and subscribe. Smash every single button possible. Please leave a comment for Nigel Rio Coker because I can only imagine some of the comments from him in a moment <laughs> will be absolutely ludicrous. So follow along as we try to entertain you best as possible. Let's get into Group C action. It was Bayern Munich against Barcelona. Nigel Rio Coker, we were texting back and forth in the group chat. It was a pretty good game to watch. It was entertaining, but a lot of missed chances in the first half. Well... Ian, as you put in our little private group chat, would have, could have, should have. Would have, could have, should have doesn't count when you sit in the dressing room because you know why? Would have, could have, should have leads the managers getting the sack. It doesn't mean nothing. But at the end of the day, the bottom line, what counts is the scoreline. Yes, Barcelona had the best chances. Lewandowski had some chances where the old Lewandowski at Bayern Munich would have put them in the back of the net. But maybe he got too emotional he got too caught up in the moment, being back home, and maybe he might have even forgotten for the team he was playing for. But it just wasn't happening for him today in front of goal. And I'm a big Lewandowski fan. I'm sorry. I'm just going to have a little bit of fun now. But I personally hope that he does win the Ballon d'Or next year or this season because he deserves it for what he's done consistently at Barcelona without no real recognition. He is one of the top strikers this game has ever seen. But for him today, it just didn't work out. Going back to the the home that made him, the place that made him, the name that he is now. And uh, would have, could have, should have gets managers sack, as I say, Ian. And I know Mike's going to jump into it again with a game that he thought that he should have betted on, but didn't. He said, <laughs> I would have, could have, should have. But because you didn't, Mike, mm. you didn't get the win. So it was a great game mm. of football. I think, again, um, for me, again, I said, we discussed it earlier about how Barcelona will rise to the occasion because it's a different outlook. It's a different game. The man that I thought would have a good game today also, who maybe would have stood out to the occasion, didn't really have a, a, the best of games, Saudi Mane, but he still was involved. Yeah. And, you know, I think for me, Masala was absolutely fantastic. Young player, played in England, went to a school actually not too far from the school that I went to. I went to Riddlesdown High School. He went to a school called Whitgift and left Whitgift to go to Bayern Munich. And this kid is absolutely shining. That's a big loss to the Premier League. That kid, he's a fantastic talent. Had a great game today. Rose to the occasion. Another young player who I thought was fantastic today was uh, Davis. Big fan mm -hmm. of Davis. Love his arrogance. Love his character. Nothing phases that young man. He is a top-class player, ready for anything. And he had another good game as well. And again, we discussed it. Barcelona's real first test. They did not pass the test today, in my opinion. And just before I finish off, I'm going to give Ian a little bit of credit, Mike. Just a little bit. Okay. And the reason why Let's I'm going to give you a little bit of credit 
Ian has said there's something still not right at Bayern Munich. And I finally agree with Ian. Ian, you can write this down. I finally agree with you. Because when Leon Mane was taken off as a substitute today, Sane was taken off today, his reaction to being substituted and going down the tunnel shows me as a player that there is definitely something not right. Because regardless of how you feel, you're still winning 2-0 against Barcelona. And to react like that and go down the tunnel shows that there is definite tension and disrespect between him and the manager. Mm. I hear that, but this is all about the final score of this game. I thought in the first half, Barcelona, they had their chances, as we talked about in the first, let's say, half hour. It was one-way traffic. Bayern's back line did just enough. Upamecano, he finally arrived this season. I thought he was class. And and Lewandowski, yes, I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to say, I never say Upamecano's class. This is the first time Kegelasso special. I thought he was class, given the circumstances. The big block, the big tackle that changed the tide of the game was Masraoui coming on for Pavard and laying that blockbuster tackle. Lewandowski had Byron's back line dead to rights at the PK spot. If he slots that in, then all of Bavaria is an angst as Barcelona has the lead and they, they pass Byron to death. The midfield change at halftime, bringing on Goretzka for Sabitzer, was tactically, mm-hmm. tactically spot on from Nagelsmann. I thought that was a big change because it allowed a third runner out of midfield. And to, to, to put Muller up top as a striker and then shift Mane more to a place where he's comfortable. I know he didn't score yet, but I think that could be where Mane really shines for Bayern Munich. Is playing in that left wing position that he really shined for Liverpool. And Thomas Muller's played in that lead striker. He, he's going to kind of be as a false nine, allowing other players and your two wingers who have pace to make slashing runs. Leroy Sané, this guy, the movement from putting him from left wing to right wing was good. Alonso was a good matchup for him. I said in the preview show, what I say? The team that had the winger that had their biggest imprint on the game would win this game. So as I put my crystal ball, 1-0 for Michael LaHood because he got that one right. I may have not bet on the, the right team to win, but that was the key matchup. And Bayern got the right moments at the right time to start the second half, and, and Barcelona couldn't react in the end. Yeah, listen, I think when you look at the game in general, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a convincing victory in the end, you'd have to say by the scoreline, um, but the goals that were well taken in the end, I mean, thought the finishing was fantastic from Bayern on the day, the finishing not so much fantastic from Lewandowski who made his return. Obviously really interesting to see the reception he got at the Allianz Arena returning to Bavaria where he scored so many goals for Bayern Munich. It's always interesting. Um, anyone who's out there watching on, please make sure you, you drop a comment or a question for the guys as well about this game. If you watched Bayern Munich uh, with a big victory over Barcelona, what did you think of the match? Um, but what did you guys make of Lewandowski's performance and his return? Obviously, Nigel, you made your feelings known there that oh, maybe the occasion was big. He forgot which jersey he was in. But at the end of the day, when you look at the opportunities he had, he had sh- seven shots in the game. Should have scored a goal, right? Lewandowski should have scored. There's no, there's no argument about that. And I'm not going to take anything away from him because I know what a top striker he is and I would have him in my team any day. It's just one of those situations where you just say it wasn't going to be his day today. And that's what I personally think it was. It just wasn't going to be his day. The chances that he had, the old Lewandowski in a Bayern Munich shirt, and again, I'm not trying to be a little smart ass about it, he would have put him in the back of the net. But it just wasn't supposed to be his day today. And that's what happens sometimes. You know, you go back and I'm probably sure there's a lot of emotions going there and everything. And, you know, the, the, the second, the, the, sec, the first chance he really had with that touch in the box that he volleys over one-on-one the keeper, that should have been in the back of the net for sure. He should yeah. have scored. But I think overall he had a good game. I think it was a great game of football for the neutral. Both teams showed their, their character, their attacking presence, you know. And like Mike said, it was going to be one in the wing and... Obviously, the first goal came through a set piece and uh, it was probably Alonso at fault for that game. One of my old teammates at Bolton, you know, I know what Marcus is capable of and he's uh, very similar to Trent. He's a uh, great going forward, defensively questionable at times. You know, just lost concentration at this level of football, you can't. And he's just come into the team, just left Chelsea, gone into Barcelona. It's going to take time for him to settle into it. But again, it was just a great game of football. 
Uh, Robert Dan just mentioning right there, Mike, before I let you talk there in the comments. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who's dropping their comments in. Just mentioning there, he can't believe how Barcelona lost this game. Um, he believes that obviously there were so many opportunities just passed up by Barca in that first uh, half that they should have got something from this match. But Bayern Munich, once again, showing their quality, showing that in the big occasion, they can rise to the occasion and get the result. They're sitting pretty at the top right now with six points. Yeah, when I when I look at this Bayern Munich team, they have different ways of hurting you. When you if you would have told me a year ago that Goretzka, he had injury woes last year, would be coming off the bench, this guy is going to be a staple for the German national team. You also have Gnabry, who alongside Lewandowski, who's one of the stars of their season last year, Mr. Champions League for Bayern next to Lewandowski coming off the bench. Nagelsmann is still trying to figure out this puzzle piece in year two. In the Champions League, to make a deep run, you have to win the big games. And for Barcelona, what I think they'll be really disappointed in, and I, I credit them for this, they came to Munich to win. They didn't come to be pragmatic. It's not in their DNA under Xavi. They, and I think once I said that, Ian may have gotten really upset and was like, nah, I'm not having it, but I'll continue. And you, you have to applaud that. But whenever you are playing one of the giants of Europe and you don't finish your chances, they will be ruthless. And I thought Bayern was ruthless when they had their opportunity. The second goal, lethal. That is the Bayern Munich of modern day. Lethal on the counter. Musiala, they, this kid is going to be a star, if not one of the new stars of the modern age for Bayern Munich. Love that Nagelsmann is being, is being quite bold in playing him as the attacking midfielder for Bayern Munich instead of Thomas Muir. That was a big call. And really, the young players of Bayern are stepping up. Granted that they didn't get the wins in their last couple of Bundesliga game, but Musiala getting a goal against Stuttgart and also Masraoui getting an assist, I think, on that Musiala goal. So it could be a talking point as the group stage moves on. Mike, from what you saw today, how secure or how much belief do you have in Bayern Munich? Obviously, yes, Ian's right. We've got to give Ian a little bit of credit, not a lot, just a little crumb or two. There, oh, there stop is it. definitely tension there. There is tension there. <laughs> But from what you saw in this performance today, how strong a team do you think Bayern Munich can be in the Champions League to make a real claim to maybe winning the title? I think I'd have to see them be more sure-footed defensively. The fact that they gave away the chances they still gave away is troubling because if you give PSG those chances, you're dead. You're absolutely dead. And a team that was more clinical on the day. If you take away the storyline of Lewandowski coming back to Bavaria, then if Messi or Mbappe, I know I'm going PSG heavy, or even a team like Napoli, Victor Osimhen, when he gets healthy, they put chances like that away, and it's a different storyline. But massive result for the team from Bavaria, massive result for Bayern, and a bit more believability about their chances given the stakes of today. Well, as we take a look around what happened today in the Champions League, it's match day two, Tuesday's slate of fixtures, some big, big results. Obviously, the big talking point we've just been going through is that massive win for Bayern Munich, who now sit pretty at the top of the table of Group C on six points. Of course, Barcelona will be sitting on the three points after their victory on match day one against Pilsen. And Inter Milan, who got a result today real quickly on their result, guys, obviously Inter Milan, you'd expect them to pick up all three points. They did so thanks to Aiden Dzeko, who had a great game today. He was terrific, finished his opportunity well in the 20-minute mark. That was his seventh goal against Victoria Pilsen. And Denzel Dumfries, another player who continues to impress me, getting forward and forward, uh, assisted by Dzeko this time. But a big win, Mike, for Inter Milan today. And it had to be, given how slow they've started their Champions League campaign and also how slow they've started Syria. Really a response game from them. Of course, you'd hope that they get the win against Pilsen, who are likely to be the bottom team in this difficult group. But the fact that they had players who are going to be squad players, rotation players in Dzeko and Correa being up top, no Latoura Martinez, still no Romelu Lukaku, still nursing that thigh injury. Those rotation players and squad players are going to have to be catalysts for change for Milan, given also that Ivan Perisic will talk on Spurs later on because that's a massive talking point. No Perisic, Dumfries will have to take up a lot of that goal-scoring defensive form on that right-hand side because Perisic was a juggernaut on the left before leaving the Tottenham. Nigel, what was your thoughts on the result overall at the end of the day? I mean, it's a big win for Inter Milan. It actually makes this group a little tasty now. I didn't expect to see Bayern with six points after two days, two game match days anyway. Um, but they are. They're sitting pretty at the top right now. And it seems to be a battle for second place that Inter have put themselves back into. 
Well, we know, Ian, that you're a Bayern hater. So any of the fans <laughs> watching or listening, feel free to direct some questions at Ian. Okay, all the Bayern Munich fans watching around the world, feel free. Ask Ian some questions because he's a Bayern hater. And I don't know why he didn't see Bayern at the top of the group because we did. Mike and I did. You know, and <laughs> no, 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 I, I actually... I actually want to. I want to quell that because I. I said Barcelona were going to wipe the floor with Bayern Munich. I, okay, I believe well, you were the only again, one, Nigel, that got it again. Right. So I'll have to give fans around the world, football fans, you now know not to listen to Mike that much, <laughs> not to listen to Ian that much either. If you have any questions, just direct it to Nigeria Coca. I will gladly answer your questions. Any team, any world football. Let's go. Um, yes, Inter needed to win that. I think uh, it's great. It's really great in this group right now, and it's really opened it up. And I think for the neutral, it is absolutely fantastic because I think that the great thing that we're watching is all these teams, I don't still believe, are the complete article. There are still weaknesses in every team, which makes it even more better and interesting for us as neutral. And again, it's going to go down now to the coaches with enough video now and enough knowledge of the game, what they've got to their resources that they can use to their advantage to make sure that they get the points when it counts. But I think that it's absolutely fantastic for us. Well, I'm having some technical difficulties in case you couldn't tell right here. My camera keeps going on and off. But however, I will continue to tell you that, of course, with Bayern Munich sitting pretty at the top of the table, picking up three points in Milan against Inter on match day one. And then on match day two, getting the job done against Barcelona at home puts them in a great position now as they go back-to-back -back games against Victoria Pilsen. You'd expect them to pick up yet again another six points and move on. So it really is a battle now between Barca and Inter. Those two games coming up, those are going to be must-watch games. I'm excited to see what Inter can do against Barcelona, but you would expect to see Barca probably the favourites now going through from the group in the knockout stages. Let's move over to Group A. Um, a terrific match uh, today, Liverpool-Ajax, Amsterdam. It was a great result for Liverpool in the end, but of course, they left it late. It was touch and go for a while as you were watching the results coming in and on Nico Cantor's Golazzo show, you could tell Things were getting a little dicey at the end for Liverpool, who were pushing hard for the winning goal. They got it thanks to Joe Matip, who made it 2-1. Uh, overall thoughts, Mike, on the result, really. And I guess if you caught any of the game, what did you think of Liverpool? This was a game that was more about the result, getting it over the line, than the actual performance. Liverpool was desperate. And you could hear the, just the relief through the entire stadium and, and the passion restored for this Reds team when Matip got that inches over the line, correct call. One of the few times I actually can applaud technology. You know my stance on technology in the game. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Say it again, I freaking hate it. But it came yeah. to good today or else I think the red half of Liverpool would have been an absolute boycott and an arms. Uh, it would have been a tragic day for Liverpool. What stuck out to me more was, hey, healthy bodies coming back. You look at Thiago, his influence in that midfield. Probably their only creative spark from midfield. Fabinho looking more like himself. But Thiago gives you more believability in midfield. Being able to wriggle free, create chances. Some of that diagonal ball control or ball movement. Balls over the top in for Salah. And Diego Jota coming back, putting him at that false nine position was a massive impact because he set up the goal. Liverpool being route one, something that we haven't seen for them this season. Being route one on the goal. I think Lucho Diaz wins the, the header, which falls to Jota. Jota draws two defenders to him, slots it into Mohamed Salah. Salah finishes. That's more like it from Liverpool. I wonder if this is the thing that breathes life into a difficult start for the season. I believe it is going to be for their Champions League campaign, but massive result in the end. I want to say that, Mike, and to Ian as well, did you find it quite interesting at the start of the game? When I watched that game, I saw Liverpool, not the high-pressing Liverpool, because, again, we talked about how the energy has died down and some of the boys might be tired. But at the start of the game, I saw the amount of respect that they paid to Ajax by not really high-pressing. They kind of sat back, which isn't something that we see from Liverpool. So now, whether it's the fact of it was Ajax or whether it's the fact of this weekend of not having a Premier League game and the soul-searching that they've done, that they might be slightly changing their approaches to game. But again... Overall, just analysing that with uh, Mike and Ian, I'll probably say for this game, it was just about getting the win. It didn't matter how they got the win, whether it was ugly or anything, as long as they got the win, because winning breeds confidence. And again, Mike, you made some fantastic points, and I agree with you. Thiago makes a big difference in that Liverpool team. 
Thiago's the one midfielder you'd have to say in Jurgen Klopp's managing career so far from, you know, obviously um, Borussia Dortmund to Liverpool now that you'd say it's a midfield signing that's out of his comfort zone. He's not his traditional Jurgen Klopp midfielder of being solid, defensively capable, just being too solid to fill in the gaps when the fullbacks push forward and helping out the defence. He's that creative flair and he adds that extra bit of spice. And I think it's his inclusion in the team today that played the biggest difference in Liverpool getting that result. Yeah, listen, there's something about Liverpool Football Club when they mix it around, they start to rely heavily on their midfield really being the engine to push them forward. And, you know, when you get desperate, sometimes obviously you're looking to your experienced players to, to really step up and, and put a shift in there. But when you throw Thiago into any team, this guy is just sensational. Wonderful footballer, one of the best in possession of the ball, probably the best passer in the Premier League, in my opinion. He's just simply up there. But I think that this result is most important. It didn't really matter, as you said, Nigel, a moment ago. It didn't really matter how they played Liverpool. They needed this victory. I mean, this now makes the group very, very exciting. Obviously, we know that the Rangers game and Napoli has been pushed to tomorrow. Um, we see three teams sitting on three points. So it's interesting to see Liverpool get themselves back in there. But it was also really nice to see Mo Salah get on the score sheet once again as well. Very important for him, for his confidence. Huge goal for him already as he's uh, got off to a flying start this campaign. I believe that's his fourth goal of the season. And 31 goals he got last year. We must not forget that. He was leading the way for Liverpool. And this year, it's been a little bit slower for him. But I'm really impressed. Mike, we touched upon it a moment ago. And, and we won't really touch upon Ajax too much after this. But Kuro stood out again. The kid was just mm. absolutely fantastic. His goal was something that is probably worthy of the price of admission alone. I mean, what a great finish that was. Oh, Kudus's finish is the part of our show's namesake. It was K Golasso. What a Golasso it was. Left foot. He's got a special left foot. Instincts of a striker, not a natural striker, but he's looking every bit of a top European striker when the ball gets in the final third. I loved how Ajax wasn't afraid to commit numbers forward on that one play. Coming down Liverpool's what? Right hand side. Again, Bad things happen when Liverpool get caught out of possession. And I think it's the fact that Harvey Elliott is playing on that right-hand side. No one tracking from midfield. And Berghaus makes the lung-busting run getting forward, cuts it back mm -hmm. for both Bergvine and Kudus. Kudus, very selfish, rightfully so, getting in front of Bergvine and then lashing it in the back of the net. Masterful finish, beats Allison as near post. Nothing he could do about it. And I, I actually feel hard done by it. They didn't create as much chance as they would have liked. The Daily Bin chance was a massive talking point. I think had that gone in, game over. It would have just broken Should have, should have gone in though, Mark, right? It should yeah. have scored that one oh, though, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's 100% now. Yeah, absolutely. And and they'll be kicking themselves for not taking that because if, if that goal goes in, they win the match. Then Liverpool are in dire straits and Ajax have firm grip on this group just after two games. Nigel, Ajax, Amsterdam, obviously it's going to be difficult for them now and uh, the group is starting to look really tricky. I mean, obviously we have, as I just mentioned a moment ago, Rangers and Napoli still to come up tomorrow. Um, but for three teams to be sitting on the three points right now, what does this say about the game tomorrow for Napoli? If they get three points, they're sitting on the six points now ahead of Ajax and Liverpool, puts them in the real driver's position right now. Or if Rangers can get the three points, it's anyone's game. It definitely is. But you'd have to say, I just think for personally, and let's be real, Napoli have that extra bit of quality. They've got that spice right now. Yes, Mike might say they really start well, but they finish poorly. At the end of the day, if they start well, when the momentum's there right now, that's all that matters. I love Rangers. I think Rangers is, is you know, you know what Rangers is like, Ian. It's a fantastic club, well supported. Them playing at home is their biggest advantage because their fans is their yeah. 12th man. But still with Napoli, they just have that extra bit of quality. And I feel that when you look at Rangers, and I'll throw Celtic into the same mix as well, great teams, great support, tremendous football clubs where it's the heart of the community. But when it comes to Champions League, when you're playing these top oppositions, they can weather that storm with the experience that they have. And the quality always comes through in the end. So I think with the results today now, Napoli would know exactly what they need to do. And they want to do it just to be a bit more comfortable and then concentrate back on Serie A. Mike, you got anything to add? Yeah, I I think it's going to be a really in intriguing matchup. It'll show the, the mental fortitude of Napoli to see, do they really want to take this Champions League group? Do they really want to be just the storyline of the Champions League group stages, given that their lead striker 
is coming back from an injury. I think that mm-hmm. will will hurt them in the long run because they'll have to break down a, a stingy Rangers back line. I expect Rangers to potentially field a back five. We saw that when it didn't go their way against Ajax. They looked more solid. They actually created some of their best chances having two wing backs and a back three. I think a player, and you got to cover him in MLS, James Sands, this will be his biggest test yet in his career and a great test to do it at Ibrox at the biggest stage in Europe. Well, when you think of the two games that Rangers have just had before the break, obviously missing in the performance with uh, the Scottish Premiership, also taking a break this past weekend. Rangers were 3-0 down in their last two games at half time. obviously going down 4-0 overall in both of those games. They've certainly got a battle on their hands. We're going to step aside for a quick break. In just a moment, we'll be right back with action from Group D. It is Tottenham Hotspur who were on the road to Sporting Lisbon. Didn't work out the way they wanted it to. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, CBS Sports is your home for the 2022-23 UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, and UEFA Europa Conference Group stages with Paramount Plus streaming every match live. And to complement the best club competitions in the world, Paramount Plus also boasts a wealth of premium soccer documentaries, including Destination Paris, which premieres exclusively in the U.S. today and follows journalist Guillaume Balaguer's path through Europe for the 2021-22 UEFA Champions League season, culminating with the final in Paris. Balaguer's travels details Ukrainian club Shakhtar Donetsk experiences amid ongoing war. Please check out Destination Paris and the entire Champions League season on Paramount+. Plus. All right, guys, welcome back into Kego Lazzo. Let's get stuck into it. Group D, Ian Joy here with you, Nigel Rio Coker and Michael LaHood. Now, Tottenham in the earlier kickoff today against Sporting Lisbon. Um, yeah, it was an interesting game, boys. It looked like it was going to be a draw. It looked like it was going to end up in that draw. But Nigel Rio Coker, I believe you're the only one that predicted that Sporting Lisbon could get the job done. Yes, Ian, and I just hope your pronunciation of these European clubs and these players was only as good as your predictions, but obviously they're way apart. But anyway, I just definitely thought that Sporting would win this today. What a fantastic game of football that was again. Sporting for me, and the thing is with Tottenham is this, even in the Premier League, they look, how do I say, rigid, a bit hard to beat, hard to break down. They're not easily (laughs) defeated, so to speak. But the problem that I see with Tottenham is I still personally don't believe that they're in their full flow yet. They're struggling struggling to create opportunities, real good opportunities and goal chances. But it's the Antonio Conte way. So you do get a bit worried. You think that maybe you can get away with it for three or four games. But it's been happening for a while now. They're not really creating a tremendous amount of chances in games. And that's what's the worrying thing for Tottenham. They're not easily beaten. Very defensively well-organized, well-structured. But I know Antonio Conte, for how he is right now, he'll be very, very upset. He'll be very upset that they conceded those goals so late on after how well they did, because at the least, the minimum that they wanted from that game is a point. But for some reason, I went with my heart, as Lucho Garcia would say, and I do believe that Sporting (laughs) would have got the win and Sporting did get the win. Okay, I'm going to say, I said it before we even went on the show, I was the one that called that. I think you were reading my mind in the end because I, I was. I, I think I gave James Bench and JJ all the the, the mental proof that this was going to happen. I really do believe in Sporting Lisbon, and I'll tell you exactly why. Their front three, their front three is magic. They're a young front three. Pedro Gonçalves gets the assist. They're a handful. Trink out Marcus Edwards, the former Tottenham boy, 
getting revenge against his team. What a slaloming run he had. He should have scored. It would have been one of the goals of the group stages. Made Spurs defenders and midfielders like look like traffic cones or look like me when I'm playing my pickup men's league game now season. There's a reason why I'm retired, and that's why. What, what worries me, you hit it right on the head, Nigel. What worries me about Spurs under Conte, there's only one way to play, which is sit back, absorb, hit on the counter. When they're the team that now has to go and break a team like Sporting, this is a battle of the back three. The, the back three with a trio of a Christmas tree almost, one striker, two attacking mids underneath. And you're not getting the best out of Richarlson. He did score two goals to save their butts against Marseille. But Richarlson and Son look a shadow of themselves in this game. Son looks miserable. He looks confused. He doesn't know where to be. Son likes to have the freedom to play central or pop wide in previous seasons. He's no longer allowed to drift wide because he has to be static to play under Harry Kane. Lots of just disjointed movement. And a lot of the players who are getting the best positions on the field are two players who are not attackers. Hoiberg and Bentecourt, they're getting positions at the top of the box and they're not shooting. They need to find a wrinkle. Maybe do they put, I don't know, put Kulishevsky in attacking. I don't know. Do something different. Maybe put one of the strikers. I'd like to see Son even as one of the two sitting midfielders. They've tried Basuma. They're still trying to figure it out. I think that's where their problems lie. And those two sitting midfielders, two static, both do the same things. You need to be more creative if you're going to take that next step for Tottenham Hotspurs and be one of Europe's elites. Well, just a reminder, it was the earlier kickoff in Group D today. Tottenham Hotspur going down by two goals to nil to Sporting Lisbon. Paulinho scored in the 91st minute, I believe. 14 goals last season. He got also got three in the Champions League. That's him off the mark this campaign. Arthur, maybe a couple of minutes later on, got his first goal of the season in his first ever Champions League game. Got his first ever Champions League goal recently transferred from Estoril. Um, I thought it was an interesting game. I thought, of course, Antonio Conte was always going to come under scrutiny, leaving Kulusevski on the bench. In my opinion, maybe that wasn't the best decision, but he continues to stick with uh, Hyungman Zon. And again, no goal from Zon. He, he's kind of struggling this season to really get him off to the races. Conte's record in Europe is uh, is okay. He's around about the plus, of, what, 500 mark here. Uh, 12 wins, 13 draws, 11, oh, sorry, 12 defeats. That's his Champions League record. So is it good enough for Tottenham Hotspur? Conte, today's decision to go with this team, Son again, not scoring goals. And again, you have to say that it's a bit of a questionable decision. I mean, you'd have to say, come on in, let's be real. Again, when we talk about football, I think that fans and people need to understand that we are all creatures of habit. When you look at some of these managers, they are they show you who they are by how they play their team, their style of play, their system. Conte, no matter what club he manages, this will be his style. Very defensively organized, hard to beat, grinding out results, a super fit team. And he's not really a manager that really lets players come out of that kind of structure much and be creative. And that kind of bees, he's down to fall a bit. I think that maybe he needs to show a bit more trust in his players because that's what's missing because everything else is works well. We'll get your team well organized, defensively hard to beat. Again, very well structured. But again, when it comes to the creative side, that freedom to express yourself, to score goals, that's not what something he does. And if you do go out of his structure, his guideline, you're not going to play that much. So I think that for me, it is a bit worrying, but again, it's knowing what you're going to get. And that is what mm -hmm. you're going to get when you pick Antonio Conte as your manager compared to if you maybe pick, for instance, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you pick Zinedine Zidane as your manager, Zinedine Zidane's philosophy is way different. Yes, there's being organized defensively, but there's that freedom to go out there and express yourself. So, I mean, I'm not really surprised. I'm, well, I'm not surprised at the result today because I, you know, predicted it. You took Unlike it from me, Tom. but let's be, let's be, let's be clear about <laughs> okay. that. But yeah, I think, uh, again, Tottenham, I think for Tottenham fans, they're just happy that they're competing, they're happy they're in the Champions League, and they're happy that they're yeah. there, and Arsenal are just somewhere else looking from the wilderness. Let me just jump in real quickly, Mike, before you have your point, uh, opinion on uh, Conte here. Harry Kane in the first half, no shots, 29 touches of the ball, and Hyungman Son, 22 touches of the ball in the first 45 minutes, and also no shots. The most active player going forward for Tottenham Hotspur was once again Richarlison. So I think to Nigel's point right there, you can see Conte's influence in this game and this team right now. Maybe some of the players are not happy with it. I think one of the players that's most frustrated is the, the, the elf in the room, Son. We've seen him subbed off again. 
when was the last time you saw Sun subbed off in seasons before Conte got there? He was one of the he, he came to life last year alongside Harry Kane. He was the catalyst for Harry Kane coming to life and Kulishevsky as well. And this year, I think they've gotten it wrong given their trio. Antonio Conte has won Serie A playing two strikers. He did enter playing a front two and attacking mid. Can you switch that up? Maybe that gives a different dynamic playing with two strikers. You have two strikers, Harry Kane. Son can play as the, the striker next to Kane or put Son as your attacking midfielder. He can turn in the pocket and run at players. I think if he does that, it'll ask different questions of back lines other than what they're having right now. Well, the other big result in Group D was, of course, Eintracht Frankfurt getting a massive win. Did not see this one coming. I would have loved to have uh, seen, obviously, uh, Marseille really step it up in this game. But it's a Bundesliga team who gets the victory in this game, Nigel. Eintracht Frankfurt with a big 2-0 victory. Uh, Lindstrom getting the opening goal, 43 minutes on the clock. They did have an offside goal before they rounded things off nicely. That's a massive three points for Eintracht Frankfurt to make this group really interesting now. That is an absolute massive three points. I did not see that coming either. I honestly didn't. I thought that Marseille were going to be the real deal this year to really push it as one of the contenders for, for the French teams to at least make it out of the group stages. But wow, what a result that is for Frankfurt. They really have opened up this group now. Um, again, I'm a bit disappointed because it messes up my uh, my uh, prediction table. But hey, fair play to Frankfurt. They got the result. They, they uh, beat a Marseille side that really just couldn't rise to the occasion. Mike. We talked with Jonathan Johnson ahead of the Champions League's even starting. And, and I asked JJ this question. Hey, Marseille can get it done from 18 to 18. And I say that for a point because today they got it done from 18 to 18. And I asked him, where are the goals going to come from when it counts? We're still waiting. Because in both boxes, that's where they struggle. Marseille throwing a lot of numbers forward. Playing at home, the velodrome was popping. The city was popping. You can get your kebabs outside the stadium and just uh, your baguettes, kebabs, you name it. Great place. I am going to be there actually in October. So Mike, we'll, you only we'll, get we'll, kebabs we'll at that. three in the morning in England, mate. Just so you know, kebabs only come after three o'clock in the morning, mate. <laughs> and Mike, you never Mike, know. Listen to Niger. <laughs> nothing, but, nothing good what? happens after midnight uh, in Marseille. <laughs> no. So be very careful with yourself. Go ahead, Mike. Yes. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. What struck me was the defensive frailties and one player, I'm going to single him out, Eric Bailly. He was a disaster on the first goal. It was his lapse in concentration. And I hate slamming players, especially African players. I love my African players, man. That's but this guy... It. It's because he played for Man United, but carry on. Exactly. Well, you call me out. Damn. Don't pull so that one this out. Guy, play, come, because come he on, played man. for Man United. This guy, carry on. though, this guy, the ball's over the top, routine ball over the top. One striker makes the ball. He has cover. He tries to chest it down. What are you doing? It's before half. Get the ball out of there. Head the ball out. You've been doing that. You've been solid for about 43 minutes. Tries to test it down. And to make matters worse, the ball gets at the top. And Lindstrom's nowhere near the ball. And Marseille have numbers back. And Eric Bay takes the playoff. He acts like if he's almost cramping, waiting for someone else to, to clean up his mistake. And it's so unfortunate. Ricochet's off the defensive midfielder. And if he would have stuck with the play, he would have been there to save a goal. Lindstrom does well to react gets a gift and slams it home. And it's just downhill from there for Marseille. You saw the belief go out of their sails and they, what is it? They're in, is it 15 losses in the champions league or some astronomical numbers since just after 2010, yep. it, it, it's yep. not their competition. I'm very worried about this team. I think it's 15 from the last 16 in this competition, which is not good at all for them. But to touch upon Lindstrom, who got the goal, the 22-year-old Danish midfielder, three goals, all comps, uh, all three of them, this campaign coming away from home. There was a second goal that was ruled out for offside from Daichi Kamada. So uh, ended up 1-0 to the Eintracht Frankfurt. Let's move on to Group B. And probably the most interesting, bizarre Crazy uh, result of the day would have been Porto going down at home by four goals to nil thanks to a wonderful performance by Brugge. Uh, they got off to a great start 50 minutes into the game. Ferran Jukta got the opening goal from the penalty spot. That was uh, his sixth goal of the season in 11 games. He recently transferred over from Barcelona before they made it 2-0, 3-0 and 4-0 very quickly in the second half. Uh, Michael Hood, I mean, this is uh, one of the most amazing results I've seen in the Champions League because Brugge need to be taken seriously. I know Nigel's laughing at the way I say Bruges. 
<laughs> well, this is a team that is is without one of their best players from last year who plays for Milan, De Ketelar, attacking midfielder. They look like they didn't miss a single beat. Porto, they've shifted to this 4-4-2 model, and they, they've sold some players since last year, but they were chasing shadows. Bruce did an excellent job overloading them in the middle of the park. The two defensive midfielders didn't have an answer. Nigel, you and I know what that feels like when you're chasing shadows in the middle of the park. And I'm surprised that Porto didn't oh, get a red card. Wait, I've never Isn't chased it? shadows, Mike. Let's not go there. I've never chased shadows. In the middle of the park. <laughs> you know what? I'm the only one here who no, knows no, no, what no, that no. looks like. I used to put a foot in. in the middle There's of the no park. chasing yeah. shadows. <laughs> and that's what was missing today from Porto. I was waiting for a rash tackle. They seem second best in every category. Credit to Club Bruges. Their front three was dynamic. Their midfield did good a good job of rotating. Even their deep-line playmaker got forward and created chances. They're a handful, and I think a team that, as you said, Ian, teams really need to, to start taking them seriously because you're not going up against a Bruges team that's just going to hand it to you. They've had some headline performances and results in the group stages in seasons past in the Champions League. Nigel, a little bit of a crazy result, though. I know there's a lot of talented players who are making their way over to Belgium to obviously get minutes, to get playing time. Uh, we're seeing that exact situation with Ferran Yukta. He was actually bought from Barcelona's B team for about 5 million euros. Uh, but also the second goal scorer, Kamal Sowa, the 22-year-old Ghanaian. That was his uh, first goal for the new club who transferred over from AZ. They have a bunch of 22-year-olds who scored today. It seems to be a conveyor belt of talented players who are going over to Netherlands, to Belgium, to Scandinavia, to play in the Champions League. And these types of results are what you get because Bruges are a team that love to sell their best players. And once again, you're seeing that this is their stage to perform on. And again, another top performance from a lot of young players. Well, I thought it was Club Brugge. And then now you just went to Club Bruges. Pick one <laughs> in and stick with it, all right? Brugge. Brugge. Okay. Anyway. I think, yeah, you're right. I think it's great. I think it's really great on that. Um, and again, it's not something we've we've not seen before. We've seen it with other nations. We've seen British players go to Germany. Every nation has their time. And I think now, obviously, a lot of young players are going to Belgium. And these results are eye-opening. And also, it's great for scouts of bigger clubs where they can go and see these young kids perform. And there is no better platform to perform and do the business than the Champions League. So it's only going to benefit them. And also, to a certain degree, also benefits the clubs. Because once these players get sold on, they make uh, the clubs make their money. All right, let's move very quickly on to Leverkusen against Atletico Madrid. Leverkusen with a shock victory. I actually predicted a nil-nil in this game uh, to be one of the boring types here. Uh, but Leverkusen did leave it late. 84th minute, Robert Andrecht, he got his first goal of the season. Uh, Frimpong with, again, uh, assist. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. Musa Diaby obviously made it 2-0 on the 87-minute mark. Uh, Diaby was terrific last season. 17 goals, 14 assists for Leverkusen. This season, it's not been easy for the German side. Then finally get a victory to their name and they certainly celebrated that one, Mike. And it was it was, it was a type of win that they needed. Their, their season hasn't gone in the league, hasn't gone right whatsoever. Patrick Schick looks a shadow of himself to start this year. Last year, one of the stars of the Bundesliga and also had a great Euros as well with the Czech Republic. They're a team that is going to be, their success hinders on the strength of their two wingers. And when I look at Diaby, that second goal was massive for his confidence. That was more of a statement that to get that second goal against that buddy team that it's part of their DNA, kind of like Spurs, to go away, grind it out. They have so many attacking players, but it was to grind it out and, and let's get out of Germany with a nil-nil result and, and play, play for the next game. They get found out a bit in that pragmatic approach because Leverkusen does have the pace and on the flanks. There's something in the water in Germany about wingers this year. On the flanks, that's where the game was won and lost again. And both wingers towards the end of the game found the recipe for success on the counter. Yeah, amazing to see Club Brugge sitting pretty at the top of the table there. Leverkusen Atletico Madrid tied on three points with Porto. No points to their name right now as we go past group stage, uh, should I say, match day two. 
Let's move on. It has been a whirlwind of a Champions League Tuesday today. Match day two slate of games, some interesting results. Thank you very much. And I know everyone out there who's waiting to hear Nigel Rio Coker's opinion on the Leverkusen game will have to wait for another time. <laughs> we we got to touch upon an, an article that broke, obviously, thanks to our James Benj about Chelsea Football Club. Um, before we end the show, I want to get your boys' opinion on what Todd Bowley has been saying about his ideas to push Chelsea and what his ideas could be as an ownership group to to create a, a multi-team, multi-dimensional, multi-city, multi-group, multi-opportunity, similar to what we see with similar to what we see with City Football Group. I mean, there are so many clubs who are trying to do this model. It's not easy to do. But some who do have success, like Red Bull and like City Football Group, there's a lot of money to be made. But let's uh, touch also upon the All-Star game that I know Nigel's really happy about. Nigel, you can go first. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to let Mike go first. Then I, I'm going I'm to come in at the end. I'm going to come in with a knockout. Ah. Go on, Mike. It's all yours. So I think when you're the new kid on the block, I liken it to, being, to going into a, a new club, right? You're the new kid, new transfer. You don't come in swinging in with ideas. You literally just got here. You sacked your manager. You have more problems to sort out in your own backyard. I, I just think the timing of this ahead of them playing Champions League, I think the timing of it ahead of them playing another Premier League match, I think it's a, it's a bit rash to come out with something like this. And I also want to point out, and, you know, and it's not to poo-poo, another French word I'm using in preparation of the trip abroad on Todd Bowley and Chelsea is this is the same Todd Bowley who thought Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah were potential academy players for Chelsea. I'm just going to leave it there. Nigel. I'm just going to toss this over to you, Nigel, because I can't. I can't. Right Thank now. you. I can't. Well, I would, I would like to say to this, Ian, I think that uh, Todd Bowley is really making Chelsea going to be one of the most hated clubs in British football. Because for me, I don't mind evolution of the game, but there's certain things you should not mess with. And Ian knows it as well. And Mike, I'm sure you've got friends who all know this. Do not mess with English and British people's football clubs. If you're an owner, you're an owner. And I don't understand how Todd Bowley doesn't look to see the problems that the Glazier family are going through at Manchester United. With all the money that they have and all these financial structures, fans don't care how wealthy or rich you are when you own their football team. If you're not competing to win Champions League and Premier League titles, they will turn on you quick. They do not care about how wealthy you are. They're not interested. Their football club is their heartbeat and their soul of their community, and it's their identity. You cannot come in with an idea of all-star games. That's an American thing. No problem. Keep it in America because it works. Because the All-Star game is a popularity contest. Let's put that into context so some fans will understand. Some people who are Leeds United supporters will not want to see an All-Star game and they vote for Manchester United players to go and watch an All-Star game. It goes against everything they stand for, for supporting Leeds United. And this is the thing that Todd Bowley, I think, needs to have a greater understanding about what football clubs means to fans and communities. We have no problem coming to America, watching all-star games in America, watching NFL, because that's your culture and what you've grown up in. But don't come to England and the Premier League and telling people what they should do and how we should have all-star games and all the celebrity that comes with it, because that's not real football. That's not what really football fans care about, because they will turn on you and an owner very quickly. Even though Manchester United started to do well, we've seen it as well. Fans are still protesting because they want the Glaziers out because they're not footballing people. Todd Bowley is making, digging some serious holes for himself where a lot of people will turn on Chelsea now from being a glamorous club to going against them because of the decisions and things that he's saying and doing. And what he doesn't realise as well is Chelsea became very, very relevant. Whether Chelsea fans want to agree with me or not, they became very, very relevant when there was a billionaire owner. I lived in London. I grew up there. I never saw a Chelsea shirt until a billionaire owner came into place. Then they were signing Marcel Desailly, Gianfranco Zola. Then everyone was a Chelsea fan. Then the glamorous Chelsea became alive. He brought a lot of success to that club. Champions League title, Premier League title. That's what Todd Bowley needs to concentrate on. This isn't just a play toy for him because Chelsea fans right. will quickly turn on him and he can sell that club 
to very willing buyers from around the world who are more football orientated and football educated than he is. Uh, Nigel, this is going to turn into a two-hour show. If you keep going, if we just let you talk, <laughs> yeah, it's going to turn into a two-hour show. <laughs> Listen, i got to jump in here. All right? We must not forget, obviously, it's an old-school mentality to say, you know, this is our football and, and, and you've got to be very careful changing the game. But let's not forget what you just said there. Abramovich changed the game completely. He's changed the game by dumping a whole load of money into it. You talk about all the superstars who came to town. I mean, this is an American ownership group who want to do things their way. Believe it or not, they're going to try, whether you like it or not, Nigel, to do all these things. And one last thing, we must not forget this. This has now become a business more than ever before. People yeah. are making money. They're looking at football. They're looking at an opportunity to develop football clubs, their branding, um, whatever they can do to try and develop to make more and more money and take more control over this game, they will do. Like CFG, if you look at City Football Group in particular, they have, uh, what, nine teams around the world now? Then you've got the Red Bull system who have maybe, what, five or six teams around the world? And don't think for one minute it's not to try and push these clubs who are in either the Premier League or in the Bundesliga, their top teams, their main teams, all the young talent to their teams to have success and all the young talent to sell on for a profit, for money. They're scouting so many players now. They have a group, they have a grab on almost all of the local areas around where their clubs are in multiple countries, in multiple continents around the world. So don't think that the Super League has gone away, Nigel. Do not think that. No. Do not think that Todd Bowley is going to step away Ready? for one minute okay. about his all-star. Hold on one second. I'll let you talk for an hour. Oh, I'm boy. Gonna finish my point. Oh, boy. Todd Bowley, Todd Bowley, I think, will be a good thing for Chelsea Football Club. It's been a controversial start. I believe so. But he's trying to be different. He's trying to change things up and, and make Chelsea last longer and be more successful as a business, but also as a football club as well. Okay, let's, let's just see how successful it becomes. Because if you're not winning, you ain't successful in England. My thing is this. I don't, I'm, I don't disagree with the motto of, you know, more than one club and the feeder system like what Man City has. No problem. But coming in with this whole all-star game and all this type of stuff there, that's a problem for me. I just don't agree to it. I think it's a popularity contest. It's not what real football fans are like. You, you've got to understand, you can't go to another country and try and impose your culture, your kind of thing that you see in America onto people who view football from a different perspective and think it's going to be A-OK. You know it, wait, wait, you know it yourself. <laughs> There is you know NFL games in London every yeah. single okay. year. <laughs> it's okay, but that's NFL games in London. That's not having an all-star game in the Premier League. That's them expanding. That's no problem. They can expand it. <laughs> but my thing is this. If you want to talk about expanding the great of the game, the good of the game and stuff like that, start in America. Expand the game in America. Make America the national team and the game in America develop to another level where you can do that. Why are you going to England and bringing all your ideas and your baggage with you and say, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do all-star game. Everyone's going to love it. No, you know it yourself. If you grow up in a West Ham household, you're only supporting one team. If you grow up in a yes. Tottenham household, you're only supporting one team. British people are very proud and passionate about the football Not anymore, Nigel. Not anymore, Nigel. Not anymore. I can tell you this. I can tell you both this. Keep your eyes on the telly. When the protests start happening, when the all-star games show up, I expect Nigeria Coker there with the flares and the banner. Get him out. I fully ex I'm going to be pissed Listen, if I don't see him. All I'm saying time. is this, Mike and Ian. I would compare Bowley to the Glaciers. Again, another American coming mm. with the American mentality. Let's just see. Let's see how quickly the Chelsea fans turn on him when they're not seeing success and change. Let's see how that works. I think he's trying to implement his own ideas a little bit crazier than the Glazers did do at Manchester United. Let's uh, touch upon the other part of the article. Of course, Thomas Tuchel made some comments after his recent sacking, uh, thanks to uh, Todd Bowley. Once again, a decision that was controversial for many Chelsea fans out there. And if you have an opinion as well, please share it in the comments below. Uh, Thomas Tuchel said after the sacking, the reality of our decision was that we weren't sure that Thomas saw it the same way as we saw it. No one is right or no one is wrong. We just didn't have a shared vision for the future. It wasn't about Zagreb. It was about the shared vision for what we wanted Chelsea to look like. It wasn't a decision that was made because of a single win or a loss. It was a decision that we thought 
was the right vision for the club. So that was on the Thomas Tuchel mm. decision to fire him. What do you think about that right there? I mean, he certainly is an opinionated man who's clearly implemented his own ideas very quickly on it. But Thomas Tuchel also has shared some opinion as well and, and clearly disappointed at the decision. You want to start, Mike? You go first, mate. I'm, I'm just going to give and it I, a killer blow. Nice. I, I think this one, just for the sake of time, because I need oxygen for what I could think could be your longest rant, six days coming up. So I need some oxygen. So I'm going to give this one to you and I'll round it out. That just means to me, Thomas Tuchel wasn't going to be a yes man. That's what it is. That's a, again, I feel for me, that's an American influence coming in, trying to tell a manager who's done it and won the Champions League from someone who's successful from having a baseball team knows nothing about football. Let's be real about this. Toboli knows nothing about football. He's about as new a fan as you can find. You've got a manager who's done this his entire life, won Champions League, managed the best in the world, and you're going to tell him we didn't share the same vision. No, it's you don't understand football. You want to implement your own vision. But again, let's just let this unravel, give Chelsea time, because right about now, Chelsea Football Club Todd Bowley is digging its own grave. So let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I find it very interesting in how we even got here. So Thomas Tuchel, 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 that's the American way of saying Tuchel, was a dead man walking. <laughs> he was a dead man walking. Whenever you are affiliated, I mean, he, he was the figurehead of the club. Abramovich, gone. Petr Cech, gone. The sporting director, gone. So he was the figurehead of the club during its most just awful time in modern history, right? When a new manager or owner, excuse me, comes in, you are still associated with the last regime and they will find any which way to clean house. And he was the last remnant of what was before they can start and fully claim this to be their project. And I think, I, I just think this was always gonna happen. And Thomas Tuchel was gonna be the scapegoat for, for any reason. And the Zagreb result was the final straw in which saying, okay, we finally have our data that we need to make a move now. It doesn't make any sense other than we need to take full ownership of this club. We are the ownership and it is an ownership group. It is no longer one figurehead running the club. And that is a big transition moment for Chelsea Football Club. You have a bunch of different businessmen who have their say and influences. And for Chelsea, it is all about money now. Yes, winning the Premier League is one thing, but to make a move like this, to make a move and also be putting stuff about the All-Star game, they are wanting to say, hey, how can we get as much out of this new investment in a just multi-bazillion dollar industry as possible, given that we're the new, new boys in town? Does not matter. We are still businessmen. Football is still a business. And because I could see this coming a mile away, although I couldn't see it because I'm still pissed that Thomas Tuchel got the sack. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that Thomas Tuchel did get the sack after the success he had in such a short space of time. But let's not forget, it was uh, Thomas Tuchel. And Thomas Tuchel doesn't like to be told what to do by a new ownership group. It was always going to be very there difficult for him. And it was always going to be complicated whenever they were waiting for that excuse. Dinamo Zagreb defeat on match day one looked like it was the excuse to get him out there and it sounded like after my discussion with Fabrizio Romano recently that the decision was already made as to who was going to replace him maybe a couple of weeks before the actual second so it's been a wild day guys um I want to get your final thoughts on uh, Champions League and everything that's just happened before we get out of here um anything really stand out to you Nigel that uh, it got you excited um about the Champions League going forward from today's results uh Bayern beating Barca, yeah, because it put a lot of uh, doubters uh, to bed and uh, especially just because it stuck a rocket up your arse, And Yes, I'm very happy. <laughs> Bayern beat Barcelona. There you go. Mike. Oh, man, that's hilarious. I think this was a win for the underdogs, for the teams that not a lot of people are giving credit to. And, and this is what makes this Champions League draw and these group stages more interesting. I think we'll see a couple more surprise results and it puts the onus on the the usual suspects who have success in this competition it really puts the onus on them of how do they respond tottenham hotspurs the sporting result sporting lisbon result that's a good thing for the game of football we've been begging for this were we going to have competition in the biggest leagues around the world and i think we're seeing a microcosm of something shifting in the world's game 
given today's results. Yeah, it's a little crazy. And I will say this, I have been batting against the Bundesliga clubs this year just because I want to see competition or competitive uh, nature in the Bundesliga to challenge Bayern Munich. Um, I'm finally starting to see that, so I'm excited. But I've been also against the Bundesliga club in Europe, and now they're starting to get on my side. So big win for Bayern Munich today. Huge point being proved to a lot of people and a lot of doubters out there. Maybe I'm the only one. However, what a great victory it was for Eintracht Frankfurt. And uh, of course, Leverkusen getting it done as well so a massive day for the Bundesliga clubs which is sending me home very happy indeed gentlemen thank you so much for your time great job as always it's fun to catch up with you guys Nigel Rio Coker Michael LaHood and I'm Ian Joy you've been watching the recap of Tuesday's match day two in the Champions League fixtures it was an awesome day of action but please also remember that you have been watching Keiko Lato. Please make sure you take a minute to subscribe. Please make sure you leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit YouTube. I'm Enjoy, Nigel Rio Coker, Michael LaHood. We'll see you same time tomorrow, and we'll review the games again. <laughs>